Aloha. Aloha. So Nalu boy is homeschool, Kainalo, our middle child. He's a seven years old. Uh, and let me tell you, he's just a busy boy. Can't get a witness out there, right? That bugger is busy. And so Kainalo, uh, during his breaks, it's been really hot. Man, I don't remember Hawaii being this hot, guys. It's just been burning hot. And I feel like we live in Homestead is the swamp area. You know, it's just burning hot. Glover is right down the world, so don't make it even, don't make it better for them to steam all they steam down there. But anyway, Nalu Boy has, has come to like a, a show, any show to do with animals, right? He just loves animals. But one of the shows Nalu Boy started to watch is called Chasing Monsters, all right? Has anybody heard of this show before? All right, all, all, two of you, praise the Lord, all right? That's why, right? Nalu Boy just loves this, this show, and it's about one brother that travels the globe, and he chases these big fish, and he does it in unique ways. One way, he, he tried to catch a big 300, 400-pound marlin with his hand on the reel, right? No gloves, nothing, and then you, you show guys that lost limbs because of traits like that, like, I don't think so, brother, you know? Not me, man. I would rather just go to second save and get fish over there, all right? Right, Sui son, they don't lock it and pay the money, right? But that's what this guy does. He gets these big fish, and, and Nalu boy just loves it. You know, and, and, and he loves watching it. He loves it. And the one thing that's consistent in all these episodes of this show is that it's hard. That it's hard work, even with just using a regular reel, right? I don't know if you're like me. You grew up fishing and all that. Man, I don't, I've never enjoyed fishing, right? I, I've never enjoyed hunting, right? I'm not the, I don't like to wait, right? And all that, like going to Tennessee and they do deer hunting and all that. You just wait in a stand, possibly 10 hours. I don't have that kind of time to give, right? Like, like I remember my first deer hunting trip, my pastor from Tennessee took me, and I realized he never took me again after that because I snored and I sleep during the whole time, right? And then all I remember is, I'm like, whoa, what's up, right? I woke up, I screamed, and like, we, we got this eight-point deer, and like, we're dragging this deer up the hills of Tennessee, Promise kind, right? I was more heavy back then, too. I was like 360 pounds, and I'm carrying this with all my weight and this deal weight, right? And my pastor probably laughing at me, right? Like, look at this Hawaiian boy trying to deer hunt, right? And I'm over there, like, when he was hunting, before I slept, I was text, I was Facebooking everybody what I was doing, right? And all that, so everybody's, like, condemning me at church the next Sunday, saying, what? I mean, who Facebooks, right, when they hunt? I Facebook when I hunt, all right? All right, when I grew up, Popeye Co., we had like 12 dogs, okay? Did the work for us. All we had to do was slice the neck when we pop, right? Easy, get, but I, I thought about life, right? Life is like chasing monsters. Can I get a witness, right? Life is like chasing monsters, right? And you may say, I am the monster, Kahu, in this room, right? And that's the reality. Life is like chasing monsters. I want you to think about the gospel, right? It's hard. Following Jesus Right? Following Jesus is not just hard, it's impossible. Why? Because Jesus was a man of righteousness. And not just the man of righteousness, he was God in the flesh. Jesus represented to us what it means to live righteous. And for us as followers of Jesus, right, it's, it's hard to live on the straight and narrow. Can I get a witness out there, right? It's hard to live on the straight. I, I'm guilty of that. It's so hard. But when we understand the true gospel, right, 
We understand that the gospel is not us trying to live up to God, but God sending his son down to live through us. That is Christianity. That is the gospel. The gospel teaches that the the difference between the gospel and religion, and we'll learn more of this in our text today, is that religion says this is what you have to do to gain a relationship with God. All right? Works. The gospel says because you are dead in your sins, a dead man can do nothing. Therefore, someone righteous, someone holy, has to fulfill what only he can fulfill, and that is through Jesus, right? So life is like chasing monsters today. And what I want to look at is I want us to continue to go through our book study of the Gospel of Mark. We have landed on chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. We've seen throughout these few verses, right, Jesus begins his ministry through baptism. Then he begins his ministry in the wilderness, being tempted by the devil. And and now we get this beautiful uh, redirection in this town of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus picks his first few followers. And I use the word few very literally. All right? Because I say, I want to make this clear, few people will ever follow Jesus. Matthew 7 is clear. The road is narrow, and those that go down it is few, but it leads to eternal life. And many will go down the broad path, which is easy, and many will inherit damnation. What am I preaching to you today? Some of you are in this room thinking you may be on the straight and narrow. But in all reality, you're on the broad path. And here's the joy of Sunday mornings. You guys ready? You get to choose today who you serve. You get to be Joshua today. And you, and you get to walk the straight and narrow, not by what you bring to the table, because the only thing you bring to salvation is the sin that is in you. All right? But Christ is faithful to forgive you for your sins today. So if you are ready, give me a hearty amen. Amen. All right, will you stand with me in the reading of God's word as we continue through our book study of the gospel of Mark. Starting in verses 16 to to verses 20. It says, passing along the sea of where? Galilee, right, where people lived life. He saw who? Simon. And Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were what? Fishermen. And Jesus said to them, help me out. Follow me. I want you to know those two words literally. And I will make you become, help me out, fishers of men. And now watch watch this intense word. And immediately. All right, let's look at true Christianity right there. God calls, and the response is not casually, right? Not waiting, but immediately. That's the power of the gospel. Jesus don't need no gimmicks to rescue people. All right, and immediately, watch these words, they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of who? Zebedee and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. Again, 
You see it? And what? Immediately. He called them, and they immediately left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. You know, as Hawaiians, your son leave you on the boat. That's crack. It's going to get a witness, right? You don't leave your father hanging and drying. But this is the message of following Jesus. You leave everything. You leave everything because Jesus is worth it. God, we love you. Whatever heaven that's in our puvai, rip that out of us. Lord, put in us a new spirit, a new heart. Even when the message saw and we get hakaka with them this morning, God, may we surrender to you, God. I hue our sin today, Lord. We love you. And God's people says, amen. Noho ilalo. The title of my message today is All In. Here's the question, and I don't want you to answer it. I just want you to meditate on it, right? Are you all in? <coughs> Are you all in? As a pastor, I have seen people that say, I'm all in. Then three months down the road, they're not in anymore. All right? The joys of being a pastor is getting to lead people to Jesus, right? The hardships of being a pastor is watching those you lead to Jesus walk away from Jesus. Now, as Baptists, we believe that God is eternally sovereign, meaning those he saved, he, he preserves. We see it all through Scripture, but we also see through Scripture where people have made some professions of faith, and it wasn't genuine, therefore they walked away. In the 80s, there was an explosion of church planting in Hilo. You may not know the history of Hilo Town, but specifically in the 80s, a lot of pastors came from the island of Oahu. My father was one of them. And they had a lot of house revivals all over this aina, all over, right? And what happened is that every ministry family, every pastor in their family was attacked by the devil in the 80s and 90s. One of them was us, the Thomasellis, all right? And a lot of their children, the second generation, all right, stopped going to church. And now the third generation is not even, know, know nothing about the Lord, right? And I see them too. I coach some of them in football. And the re, there, there's only a few that has lasted since the 80s in the mission of Christ since this explosion of church planting in the 80s. And I want to encourage you, being all in is not determine what your family brings to the table. Being all in it doesn't determine what kind of life you grew up in in the gospel. Being all in is a direct focus and understanding of who Jesus is. There should be a lot of ahas in here. Jesus does not need you, y'all. You're not the hero in this book. You're not the hero in this town. Your statue is not at their front. Listen to me. You are a small little portion of God's redemptive plan throughout history. And that is found through an intimate love relationship through Jesus. I want you to see how Jesus pursues us, right? I want you to see this beautiful picture of how God 
in the flesh dwelt among us and made himself known to a few men that will radically change the world. And because of that, Hawaii, the kingdom in the 1800s, was reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of these few men we're going to talk about today. But don't make a mistake. These few men aren't the model. Jesus is the model. We put too much emphasis on Peter, who is Simon, uh, Andrew, James, John. And they are godly brothers we see out through the text. But they're not the hero. Jesus is the hero. When they preach throughout the scriptures, they point people to Jesus, not to themselves. Right? And we, we create ministries named by the pastors and the kahu and, all, and the recognition of that. And the reality is our ministries should always point people to Jesus. Amen. So I want you to see a couple things, and then we'll be pohana. Number one, Jesus calls us to follow him. I want you to look in the text, specifically in verse 16. It continues with last week's location in, this, in the, the area of Galilee, where people lived life, right? And we see a couple things in how Jesus calls these disciples. Number one, Jesus, hear me out, initiates the relationship in those he calls. Can I get a witness out there? Thank God we didn't initiate that relationship, right? Because if we initiate the relationship, we will fall. Because it's based on what a sinner can do versus what a God can do. That, that is the gospel. As, as I talked to some of our teenagers this week, and some of them had meltdowns. It's homecoming week, right, guys? You guys, know, you guys remember when it's homecoming week, right? All you focused on was homecoming, the dances, all the glam, all the nonsense. Can I get a witness out there, right? right? And, and so, so we had an issue where one of our seniors, you know, had a breakdown because the dance wasn't right, right? And so everybody picking on her and all that, I was like, oh, my Lord. Really? You know, in my mind, like, are you going to get money if you win? No. Are you going to get a scholarship if you guys win? No. You know, i like, do you see yourself hanging around with these people after high school? Kahu? No. Why are you worried then, right? And I had to caress her. Then after I shared the gospel with her, and she's a professed Christian, but this was her view the next day. She, she texted me and said, Kahu, thank you so much for sharing God's word with me. Uh, and then this was the mistake of the text. And maybe she's still young in her faith, but she said this, Kahu, I thank God. I picked him to follow the last three years. There's a problem with that statement. Because that statement was dependent on who? Her. It was not dependent on Jesus. Right? We've got to be very careful to think that we're the hero that we chose. In 1 John, it says we love Christ because what? Christ first loved us, right? We see that all that God has, we haven't chosen God in John 15, but he has chosen us and he has equipped us, right? And then what we will do, we will create doctrines that is no, not in scripture because we want to make man feel good about themselves. Rather, let God be the judge. So, so Jesus initiates the relationship. So at Ohana Church, we preach a monergism understanding of salvation. That means that God alone calls and saves sinners by himself. Bar none, nobody helps him. Right? But that's why a monergism. But churches today are preaching a synergism style of salvation where God needs our help to save us. Aole keia. 
You're the problem, and you're the reason why you're in what you're in today. How can the problem be the answer? Right? Jesus, in his grace, in his sovereign grace, has lavished his, his love on us by becoming human, just like you and I. God saves us alone. Can I get a witness there, right? God saves us alone. He doesn't need James. He doesn't need John. He doesn't need Simon. He doesn't need Andrew. But God saves alone. That's the kind of sermons you need to hear on Sunday mornings. The message is that it's focused on Christ. And we have no part in it. It is by God's grace, God's election, God's predestination that he has loved us. Listen to me. Well, well, why would God love some and send some to hell? Why would God love any of us? We deserve damnation. We deserve hell. We deserve death. We deserve it all. And I want you to be clear. Look at it. We believe at Ohana Church that God is completely sovereign in all creation. And specifically through salvation for sinners. We deny any works based. Meaning one must do some things to be in right standing with God. That is not salvation. Salvation is Grace alone, meaning us getting what we don't deserve through the blood, through the atonement, through the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. Man cannot earn a relationship with Christ. Christ alone saves. You cannot earn. No matter how much Bible studies, how much, how much church you go to, that does not earn your way to a relationship with God. Your relationship with God is based on God through Jesus. And that's been the problem. Why does people leave church? Because they don't have a clarity of the gospel. The clarity of the gospel is this. You're dead. You're a sinner. And apart from Christ, you're going to go to hell. Yes, I'm a millennium preaching on hell. And we need to preach that every Sunday so that you are clear that apart from Christ, you cannot do nothing. But in Christ, you can experience all the joys that we have through his penal substitution atonement of what he did on the cross. That's the joy. That's the power. But no, we want to do all these gimmicks and gadgets on how to get people in the church when the reality is the people are already in the harvest and you got to go there, Jack. Like Ohana Church, we stopped doing big church events. You know why? Because only church people come. We stop doing all that nonsense. We encourage our Ohana groups to get in the community, to love them by way of the gospel. And we want to make this very clear. This is what Jesus is doing in the text. He's not in the synagogue. He's not in the temple, right? He is clearly making himself known through looking for relationships in the town or the area of Galilee. So, and we see this very clear. This is true with many individuals in Scripture who God called. They did not call God. God called them. Abraham, Genesis 12. Did Abraham call God? No, God called Abraham. Moses, on Mount Sinai. Did Moses call on God? God called him Moses. Gideon, a farmer, right? What we would call in football terms a pansy, right? Right? They did not want to follow God. He questioned God a couple times, and God still called him first. David in 1st and 2nd Samuel, 
was called by God to be king. The first disciples today was called by God. Paul on his way to Damascus was called by God. Listen to me. When Jesus calls, he always initiates the relationship. That is grace. That's what makes this pupuli kolohe boy understand the gospel and love Jesus even more. Why? Because Jesus initiated grace to us. Look, I want you to see this. Secondly, Jesus installs a new way of discipleship. I want you to think, think about this. So in, in Jewish cultures, the way we would see Jewish uh, Orthodox religion move forward is that the student pursues the teacher. All right? So Jesus is dropping some bombs right here, Hawaiians. He's dropping bombs because he's doing a different way, all right, of discipleship, right? Instead of the student looking for the teacher, it's the teacher looking for the student. But guess this what? These students aren't in scholarly schools. These students are, aren't raised churchy. <coughs> How do we know? Look at the text. He didn't go in the temple looking for James and John. He went to the stinkiest, smelliest, ghetto, inner city place you could go to, the Sea of Galilee. He saw fishermen, right, who worked hard, right, who, who took risks on fishing. We see it in the text. Sometimes they threw nets in the proper areas where they should have caught fish, and they got no fish. In the Gospels, we see God telling him, oh, throw it the opposite side where it makes no sense. Thank you, Jesus, for not making sense sometimes, right? Sometimes we can be so analytical, right, so smart, too good for ourselves that we forget God is in control. So, so, so God, Jesus, God in the flesh, does something unorthodox. He picks people that you, we would never pick, right? He picks fishermen. He picks the crazy ripper, stealers, ripper, stealers, tax collectors, right? He, he, he picks the Kolohe brothers, right? He, he picks brothers that I would pick, right? He, he picks, he picks the, these brothers that, man, man, if you can get them on the straight and narrow, man, like they sling drugs and like they like scrap all the time and think they tough on the street and all that, bro. It's the same kind of brothers going to be nuts for Jesus, right? This is the kind of people we need to see rich with the gospel. They are qualified for salvation. Why? Because they're depraved. Right? They're, I thank God, though I grew up in a church, right, that I grew up in homestead, Right? I thank God I got to grow up with my people, my Kanaka. I thank God that I got to be raised around them because I became one of them. And I know what it means to be lost and don't even know what I'm doing. And here's the beauty of Jesus. He doesn't choose, right, based on your qualifications. His old statement, he qualifies the call. What does that mean? By his grace alone, you are forgiven. God has chosen. Here's the difference between religion. Let me say it again. Religion says that this is what I have to do in order to be in right standing with God. The gospel teaches this is what God has done through Jesus for man to have relationship with God. Amen? 
Jesus does not even choose the scholarly type students in this book. He chose hard-working, smelly fishermen, right? Our text gives us these fishermen's names. Simon, who's also known as Peter, right? Andrew, James, John. I mean, something to sing. Jesus, something to see. Jesus does not tell these followers. Listen to me. I love this. When Jesus chose them, fishermen, right? Smell the fishermen. Jesus didn't tell them to fix their moral character. Right? That's what the church looks like. Oh, I can't go in that church. I'm filthy. I'm dirty. No, brother, you come in. Right? Oh, or better yet, we come to you. That's what Jesus did in Galilee, right? right? No, no church building, right? No, he didn't say, hey, hey, stop drinking, stop smoking. This is the generation that got it all lost, all right? Stop doing this. The problem is not their addiction. The problem is they don't have a relationship with Jesus, y'all. Yeah, we can correct those who are in the fellowship and lead them to the beauty of Christ. But if we don't correct them in grace, in love, it was always on them, always on them, always on them. There is no joy in that. What we do is we faithfully walk alongside them. I know when, 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 I, when I correct people, they don't like to talk to me anymore. But I will promise you, I can correct you once, and it's up to you after that. Watch, I, I, that's what I do in this church. I will correct you once, and we'll walk. It's up to you after that what you do with that correction. Why? Because I know what it means to be correct. Hawaiian, I don't like to be corrected. In my flesh, you correct me. I like punch you, promise to God. Right? And we laugh, right? But it's the, that's our flesh. But we cannot judge ourselves by the flesh. We have to judge ourselves by who Christ is. Christ took on the beatings. Christ took the cross. Christ did all that. That is a reflection of how we should respond. And so look, Jesus does not tell these followers to improve their moral character or social status. We see what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says it this way. For consider your calling, brothers. All right? Consider it. Think about it. When God called you into salvation, consider it. Not many of you were wise, what? According to worldly, what? Standards. They weren't theologians. Not many were what? Powerful, right? Many of them were quiet because they were fishermen. They were working for somebody. All right? Not many were of noble birth, right? But God chose what is what? Foolish in the world to what? Shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who become to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, you ready? Say it with me. Boast in the name of the Lord. Think about that. Now, this does not mean that if you are smart and intellectually educated and all that, that you don't have an alley to, to salvation. God is just correcting the world and how the world deems a man, right men and women. God is just making it clear, right? God is, God is the minority here. He's doing the minority strategy, right? Most people will look for the smartest, prettiest, right? Uh, most strategic person. Not Jesus, 
right? Jesus is solely picky people by his grace alone. Daniel Aiken says it this way. He said, the call to follow Jesus is clear and is unconditional. In essence, he puts before us a blank contract and says, sign at the bottom, and I will fill in the details. Can I get a witness, right? This is what it means to be the right man and woman with the right message. Whoever knew, right, that this Koloe, Popeko, Kyoka boy would have a platform to lead a church in the new millennium. Listen to me. I had stuttering problems when I was young. I took classes to fix that stuttering problem, and I still have stuttering problems today, right? The reality is when Jesus took a hold of my life, now the life I live is not a life I'm trying to live of itself, but it's his spirit that is in me that is pressing these words out of me because in it of myself, I am depraved. I need God's spirit, I need Jesus, and he has initiated that love because of his grace. And my response to that grace is just like this contract. I signed the dotted line not knowing what would happen in those years. And you know what has happened? I got a beautiful wife from Tennessee, right? Wow, crazy one, Koloe boy, right? I hated Howleys growing up, and God gave me one Haole Wahine, wow. Right? Praise the Lord. Only God can do that, right? Right? Cannot have babies, right? Almost 10 years married. We don't have children. Within six months' time, we get three boys. Come on, yeah, let's get a witness, right? We, we skipped the birthing process, ladies. Let me get that. That's a gift from God, Hawaiians, all right? All right? You guys know, you guys know the pain, right? And, all, and that's the reality. We're three little boys, right? That we get to share the gospel with. I got this beautiful, this beautiful, crazy, Papuli family called Ohana Church, right? Some knew me when I was little. Some know me now as Kau. The reality, God has blessed me. And with all the drama lani things that comes with it, okay? It is what it is. It is life. When life smacks you in the face, Jesus is greater. All right? When life smacks you in the face, Jesus is greater. Right? We see this beautiful picture of him initiating this love. But number two, it would be Paul. Jesus commissions us to fish for him. You cannot say you belong to Jesus and you do nothing with that relationship. It is impossible. And then you do it with a good heart, but it's impossible to say, man, I belong to God, but then I forsake the gathering of my family that Christ has died for as well. <laughs> Did you know less than 5,000 people, right, that's 5% of our city, attends an evangelical church? That's fast, that's rewind, 100 plus years ago. This city, 100% of them went to church. That church still exists today up on the hill. Everybody went, it was the largest, listen to me, Christian neighborhood in the world. All the Hawaiians, all the Portuguese, all the Japanese, they were getting reached with the gospel. There's a revival going on, right? God, God's miraculous fire came on the city of Hilo. And then today, it's the opposite. Less than 5%. What happened? The clarity of the gospel. For me, understanding history, you see the totality of the gospel going down in the late 1800s when the kingdom of Hawaii was stolen by third-generation Christian missionaries. 
You tell one group that alohaed you into this community, right? You tell Hawaiians who allowed you Portuguese, you, you, you Japanese, you Asian, you other Pacific Islands, who allowed you to come on their aina, right? And they preach, a, and the first missionaries preached a gospel that was about love, joy, peace, and unity. Then three generations later, you slap them in the face by stealing what is most precious to them. Their aina. Their culture. No sound Christian to me. You can see why there's less than 5% today in this generation. Because there's hypocrisy. Now, 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 we can blame them like many Hawaiian activism has. We blame the white man. We blame all these non-porno people. But the reality is we got to see ourselves, look at me, as followers of Jesus before we Hawaiians. I've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard it from coaches. I was a Hawaiian before I was a follower of Jesus. And so they, they justify their Christianity based on what they were first. But let me tell you, Christianity teaches what no other world religion teaches. It teaches a balance of darkness, right, and light. It doesn't just teach light, right, right? It doesn't just teach darkness. Well, I know sometimes you guys come in and I'm like, oh, man, Kawa, man, he's just preaching so much on sin. Hallelujah. That will happen as long as I'm here. And I will preach it to myself too. There is joy when the gospel sheds light on that. Jesus commissioned us to fish for him. So he does it in two ways. Right? We see it through fishermen. Number one, he, we cast our line. Right? What does it mean to cast our line? We preach the gospel. Right? We preach the gospel. This involves faithfulness of preaching the gospel. Like, 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 like don't you think it's crazy? Right? A couple weeks ago, highest attendance, right? But listen to me. You go like this in church life, attendance. People go from church to church. But they don't commit to one church, right? They're, 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 there is like, there's an affair with some Christians from going to church to church to church. And then they will justify it. Oh, this is the body. Everything is the body of Christ. But that's not how the New Testament is written out. Yeah, everybody's in the body of Christ that belongs to Jesus. But there was churches in Thessalonica, in Galatia, in Asia Minor, in all that. They were committed to the body. Why? Because they had to fall under authority of the man that God placed over them, right? Obviously, that's Jesus. God creates structure, guys. God doesn't create chaos, and so the way we do this is we cast our line. We preach the gospel, and this involves faithfulness. When attendance is high, when attendance is low, when leadership succeed, when leadership fail, we continue to be faithful to the gospel. When my husband don't like go to church, I'm faithful. When my wife doesn't want to go to church, I am faithful, because that is the key. Listen to me. This is lived out through our community, too. Our JV team, listen to me, our football JV team was the worst JV team in the last three, four years that I've been coaching, all right? We, we don't have much coaches. They sure we got more coaches. And just because we got more leaders and competent leaders, our JV team is doing well and doing better. Why? Look, because there's people that are faithful. There's people that are faithful. We're not looking for people that are just coming in and out. This is not the church for you. I'm going to promise you that right now, Okay? 
That's why this church is not going to grow big like some churches. Because I'm going to tell you, this is not the church for you if you're just coming in and out. If you just sit and you sideline. You belong to somebody who is precious. And he has given you something so precious that you cannot help but fish for him. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Aole, if you think that God saved you to just fix you, he did not save you just to fix you. He saved you so that the people connected with you and not connected with you would see Jesus through you because of his grace for the world. That is the joy. That is the message, right? We can talk about marriage conferences. We can talk about youth groups. We can talk about college groups. We can talk about man's ministry, all this stuff. But the reality is the message must be the same. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your heart needs to be pierced this morning that you are a sinner and you're in need for a savior. You need that message. Why? Because that's how Jesus, he real, he casts his line. And number two, we, he, we reel in those that bite. Think about it. Let me tell you, if the gospel owner, they're going to bite. And when they bite, Hawaiian, let's go, let's go, right? Let's go, let's go. But you know what? The reality is we want to be a part of the cool crowd, right? This week, as, as our coaches' staff talked about things that, you know, that their, their stances on abortion, Republican, Democrat, all this stuff, I got to tell them my views. It's not fun reeling that in. Like, listen to me. You cannot choose and pick what kind of pounder you're getting in, Hawaiians. That's the difference between gospel fishing. You cannot get 120-pound, right, 120-pound marlin and say, nah, nah, like a 400-pound marlin. It don't work like that in Christianity. It is what it is, right? If you get one Shannon Connie, it is what it is. <laughs> if you get one Marcus McBee, it is what it is, all right? If you get Kau Zeke as Okau, it is what it is. <laughs> you cannot choose and pick who you're going to reel in, Hawaiians. If the gospel was only to love people that, that is easy to love, that's not the gospel. Look around you right now. Look around. Look, it's okay. Nobody going to punch you in the face. Look around you. Look how different every one of you looks. I'm not just talking the color of skin. Generation, right? Some of us get beautiful teeth. Some of us missing teeth. <laughs> right, right here, Kyle, right now. Huh? Proud, right? Look, we are different. You cannot choose and pick what you reel in. Just be faithful with the gospel. And so what does Jesus do? He models, he models something significant in the area of leadership that we need to see. Number one, here's a leadership principle. Jesus recruits the right team. Listen to me. We chose 18 people to start this church. And probably a handful of them are in church today, four and a half years down the road. We know about the 12, right? Well, you don't realize that there's many others that followed Jesus. 5,000. And then it was double that because that was just counting the man, scholars believe. So there are thousands of people that follow Jesus. 
Only 12 remained. Even when Judas betrayed Jesus, he was replaced in Acts by Matthias. And Matthias did great things. What am I saying? <clears throat> the gospel is like chasing monsters. It's tough. It's hard. It's unorthodox. But listen to me. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is so much worth it. So we see that Jesus recruits the right team. And number two, Jesus leads them by example. When you plan a church, oh, Hawaiian, you become everything. Who was here in the beginning years of Ohana Church, right? We have a few, all right? Some of you were sound men, at the same time ushers, at the same time parking lot attendants, at the, <coughs> at the same time like chaos control and get scraps in the parking lot, like YWCA. You guys laugh, but those were rough years, all right? right? I, I, I led the worship, I preached, I did the vision, I traveled, I did all of this, right? And all that, and like, that's what, that's what happens, man. When you begin something new, you become a lot of things. Now we're in year four and a half where God is doing amazing things. And all I get to do is divide the word of God and cast vision. That's what I get. And I get to do something that I really love, you know, uh, football, right? Passionately about kids and their character and all this. So I want you to see how Jesus leads by example. Here's a biblical truth. The key to healthy discipleship is leadership development. I want to end on this topic, Okay. Leadership development is discipleship. The only problem is when we disciple, we think we're only creating followers. But who's going to lead those followers? So there's a part of discipleship that is missing in the church. So I want to talk more, more strategically to you than preach. We need to develop more leaders. One of the goals in the next three years is to add 30 additional leaders to our church in accordance with reaching 1% of our city, which is 500 people. And so what we want us to do, we want to develop leaders that develop health leaders. So when Jesus called these first disciples, he was developing them to be leaders that would develop more leaders for the gospel. How do we know that? Hawaii, Hawaii, the kingdom, right, the state, whatever you call it today, you are a revelation and result of leadership development. God used 12 disciples to ravish the world. 20 Howleys from Connecticut came to the Big Island, and that's where the gospel started in 1820. And they brought the message of the gospel. They may have been flawed in their methodology, like stealing some cultural things that really belonged to the Lord, but nevertheless, they brought the gospel, and that reminded our culture that man is flawed apart from God. We need the gospel. Ephesians 4 says it this way about how we develop leaders. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip what? The saints. In other words, for equip, coach. To coach the saints for what? The work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ. This is what he's saying. That in this verse, God has rescued you to rescue others. And you rescue others by developing leaders. So I want to give you something that really ravished my world strategically. I want to show you the three conversions of leadership development. Servant leadership. And look, hey, listen to me. I want you to pay attention to this. I'm not saying you got to get saved three times, okay? 
What I'm saying there is a development process in your conversion. All right. Number one, the first development process we see is that I have to find, be, understand lost to found. Meaning when I was 18 years old, all right, I came into a relationship with Jesus. I was in Las Vegas, Nevada. You know my story. And I got to know Jesus through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was my first conversion experience, that I was lost to found. I was genuinely changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there was a second conversion that took place. And that second conversion that took place was that I went from being a doer of the gospel to a leader. I, 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 immediately when I got saved, I became a pastor, 18 years old, right? I don't encourage that at all for any church. Let the man of God grow, okay, in their faith. But I became, they saw qualities, they saw this, and I became. But I tell you, the first couple youth ministries I did, you know, I almost got arrested because of my Kolohe attitude and personality. I love the Lord, but my personality was still there, okay? And so what happened was they allowed me to lead these youth, right? I was still a youth. I was 18 years old. I was leading 40 youth, right? And, and what happened was I was challenged. I went from doer to leading, but I was burning myself up because what happens, our youth group grew up to 150 people under my leadership and other people's leadership. And so I became a direct, we had a youth pastor over me by then, and then I became the worship pastor for college ministry all the way down to babies. So on Sunday mornings, there would be a worship team for every generation bracket. I would lead that. I would shepherd that. But the problem is I would do it by myself, right? And it wasn't until I planted this church that leadership development became huge for me. And that's the final conversion. I went from being a leader to a developer. And this is where a lot of us struggle. We complain why we don't have this in the church, why we don't have that in the church, why this is failing in the church, why this is all this. We have all these excuses, right? And in all reality, the church that is going to be better is the church that develops healthy leaders. Listen to this statement. I've heard it from Craig Rochelle. He said this, a great leadership pastor. He says, when we delegate tasks to people, they become followers. But when we hand over authority to them, they become leaders. What am I saying? You can complain and gripe about your personal development. When in all reality, you need to take ownership of your own development. There's this person. You may have heard of him before. His name is the Holy Spirit. You know what the Bible says about him? He's God. He, he teaches you, as uncle says. He comforts you. He protects you. Let me tell you something else. You know what he does too? He putty you sometimes. He corrects you. He rebukes you. He lifts you up. He it says that the Holy Spirit regenerates us. You know what regeneration means? It's salvation. He gives us the new birth in Christ. <clears throat> you have no excuse that nobody's developing you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And listen to me. The Holy Spirit will always lead you to Jesus. Because Jesus is the word. Jesus is the life. So therefore, I want to see, I want you to see two dis distinctives of regular discipleship to leadership development. Look at this. When it comes to discipleship, it's up on the screen. You're learning to lead yourself. 
But when it comes to leadership development, you're learning to what? Lead others. Can I get a witness there, right? Number two, in discipleship, you're, you're, you're trying to know what it means to be intimate with God, right? But in leadership development, you're learning to be influencer for God. See the difference? In regular discipleship, we see godly character, right? In leadership development, we see character and competencies. What does competency mean? Meaning that you understand how to lead people to the beauty of Christ. And lastly, in regular discipleship, you see you learn how to live like Jesus, right? Live like Christ. Or in leadership development, you're learning to lead like Christ. This has made me a better football coach. This understanding has made me a better follower of Jesus, a better husband, a better brother, a better, a better father, a better pastor. Why? Because the church is only as good as their leaders are. Every church that has crumbled and probably will shut their doors today and in weeks to come, it's because they've forsaken one major strategy of discipleship, leadership development. So how should we respond today? Like how should we respond? Well, I end with this conclusion. Embrace the gospel for your motivation for living. Embrace Jesus for your motivation for living. Will you all rise?